0: Welcome back to The Mason Jar here on the Searcy Institute Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. And as always here in The Mason Jar, I'm joined by Cindy Rollins. Cindy, how's it going? How are you? Uh,
1: it's going well. Um, how, how's it going for you?
0: Oh, it's going. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, a little chaotic as I know it is for you. And with the holidays coming up, with Christmas coming up, that only adds to it. So I suppose this is the perfect time of year to, to look back. And so we're going to do that on this, on this episode. We're going to look back some of our favorite books that we read this year um, both new books and maybe books that were just new to us or maybe something you reread if there's something that you reread and really really want people to read then you should talk about that as well um so just to let people know what we're going to do we're going to run this episode and then we're going to take a little break until the new year uh to kind of get through christmas and new years and then we'll come back with a new batch of episodes in 2019 can you believe it's almost 2019
1: i know it's hard to believe really um
0: When it was nineteen, when it was nineteen eighty-five, what did two thousand nineteen sound like?
1: Yeah, I mean, it just didn't. I didn't know for sure if I'd be alive at that point. (laughs) You know, that was a long time in the future. So here I am. I'm still here, still kicking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's almost two thousand twenty. That's crazy.
0: The podcast didn't even exist then. They weren't even. Oh no, the internet barely existed.
1: Yeah, yeah you definitely thought of the podcast thing. Um, no, I, you said, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, um, sure. Whatever that is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and here we are a couple of years later, still doing yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just dive right in. I want to say thanks to everyone who's been listening this year. It's been a great year. We've, we've expanded the episodes. It had so many great guests on, and I'm probably going to run over on the mere motherhood, um, facebook page i was going to post uh with some of like kind of repost links to the episodes that were our most popular episodes of the year i thought that would be fun so check that out yeah
1: that'd be great
0: and um you know we've we've expanded the mason jar a little bit and done more episodes and like i said had great guests and of course we do the q a episodes and so thanks to everyone who's been listening and participating in the conversations and of course supporting the show over on patreon Um, that goes a long way into making it possible
1: oh Um, yeah thank you very much
0: And thanks also to people who have left commented comments and reviews on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Please keep doing that. That's one of the biggest things that you can do to help us spread the word on this show, and on any podcast that you love. Those pesky algorithms love comments and starred reviews and things like that. So that goes a long way. And uh, thanks to you, of course, Cindy, for for coming on the show and taking time out of your schedule. We get a lot of emails and comments about how encouraging you are. So I just want to say thank you. before 2009 2018 ends and we jump into 2019 thank you for uh, doing this with me
1: Oh well thank you for thinking of it <laughs> yeah. it's been it's been a lot of fun to work with you and I appreciate you all you've done too and it's I appreciate so much the audience um, I constantly am amazed that people um, you know I want to encourage people and when people are encouraged that's that really makes me happy so mm. yeah <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Yeah, that would, sometimes it feels a lot of podcast, like you're like kind of talking into a void, I suppose, right? So
1: yeah, yeah, you don't really know who you're talking to. I mean, you kind of, I obviously we have a, we have an audience in mind, but it's nice to hear from you guys. So thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk books. Let's talk about our favorite yeah. books of 2018. Here's my first yeah. question. And for those of people who are listening, I didn't give any of these specific questions to Cindy ahead of time. So she's going to be surprised by a couple of these. So here's the first sort of category. She, she groans. The first sort of category. <laughs> Is there a book that you loved this year that took you totally by surprise that you just kind of were reading either because people said you should or it got popular or you just felt like you you needed to, but the degree to which you enjoyed it surprised you?
1: Well, yeah, actually, I finished a book today with Drake, my student. Um, his dad asked us to read The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. And I'd never read that. And I always sort of thought it was, you know, I kind of missed the 90s. So I'd missed like the movie of that. And um, (laughs) um, I didn't really know what it was about, but I just thought it was going to be some dark modern novel that you know didn't stand the test of time and yeah. I don't know whether it will stand the test of time but I really enjoyed the book and I I, I thought um it wasn't as it was gritty without being obscene and I like mm. that about it mm. um that there, there's so many modern and of course mod, this is not a modern modern book I think it was written in the 60s so but, but right. it, it has that edgy kind of flavor uh, for kids But I thought it did a very good job of presenting a a darker side of life without Mm -hmm. being um, obscene.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you, did did, uh, Drake like it like he likes other books i mean i guess i don't know he
1: did he he didn't like it at first i I could tell he he knew we were supposed to read it and um and i of course was suspicious but i didn't tell him but he's really good at picking up vibes and so (laughs) the first couple times we read it he wanted to read you know the dawn treader we were reading the dawn treader so he said oh let's just read the dawn treader but i persevered and um oh boy today he was really sad not only was he sad because um spoiler alert um a character to dies in the book but he was you know he's a sensitive kid and he really related to the main character pony pony boy and um and he really related to his nature the nature of that boy and Mm. and i by the end of the book i think he felt friends with all the characters
0: Mm. That's, man, that's the mark of a good book there. Yeah. So what age would you recommend that for if people want to look at that with their kids? Well, he's
1: 12 and I was talking to his sister and I said, oh, you ought to read this book. It's pretty good. And she said, oh, we read it in fifth grade. And I thought, well, I think fifth grade's a little young for that book. I think that the kids would get more out of it as they're moving into middle school. Seventh, you know, seventh grade seems like a really good time to read that book. Hmm. sixth grade I could see for you know you know some sophisticated kids and and maybe for some more naive kids maybe um eighth grade or ninth grade Hmm.
0: is there a book that you read that not to throw anybody under the bus I suppose but that you were really looking forward to that didn't Live up to what you
1: Yes, there <it> was. <laughs> um, I read a book um, called The Alice Network that seemed like it was going to be a great book. It was about World War II, it was about a network of women that went undercover and they were spies. And it had very high reviews. And a lot of people that I trust loved the book. I absolutely abhorred that book. <laughs> I Did not like that book. Um, I just thought it was um, it was anachronistic. It the it just jarred on on you your, on you the 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 things that the main character was saying. Is it just a novel? It, yes, it was. It was a novel, and it was um, it just. She was just very uh, 19, uh, 2020, you know, 2000, uh, 2000s, whatever. Yeah, she was clearly the listening to podcasts. Yes, yeah, she was not a 1940 girl. Um, it didn't come across that way to me, and it it, it jarred against me, and, and so I couldn't enjoy the novel a whole lot. And then I was not a fan. I think I, it's a well-known fact now, <laughs> um, at least amongst uh, some podcast listeners and, um, and close-reads people that I did not like um, – what's the miss Pim book the um the awakening of oh, yeah. miss Pim. <laughs> that was not a favorite with me either same same thing miss prem it's miss prem um that book uh was like a, it was presenting a beautiful it was just a very uh it was a sketch of something that could have been you know was a great idea but it just didn't quite um achieve what it was um Going for, I thought it was great that the author was was reaching for these big ideas. I don't think she reached. Um, I don't think the book um, achieved that. But um, mm. I give her kudos for trying. Mm.
0: How How many books did you read this year?
1: Well, right now I'm standing at about 107. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, your wife. You know, you're but I did
1: life. read reread in the last two years all of William Shakespeare's plays. So, um, you know, those are not long books, and mm. and they really um, they buff buff up your 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 statistics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we always talk about how. When you got young kids, go ahead and count those, those novels you're reading to your kids too. Those count.
1: Oh yeah. I have two Sugar Creek Gang books on my reading list for the year. So, uh, those are eight or nine, 10 chapters, but they're not, you know, they're not long books. They're yeah. 150 Man, that, pages. Or that something. takes me back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> those, yeah.
0: Of course, those were, those were what from the fifties? earlier yeah
1: i think they were like they were from the i think the 50s maybe 60s i don't know
0: did you read Um, the originals or the ones that kind of i read the
1: originals i don't like the new ones um i i don't trust the new ones i'm not saying they aren't good but i would much prefer the older books i i'm saying that having not read the newer ones but just assuming that they've they've ruined them
0: yeah um you sound a little bit like you're saying, get off my lawn. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Stop rewriting books. <laughs>
0: probably justly. Um, okay. So you read 100, you say 107? Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, I did. Okay. So, so
0: how many of those were would you say were fiction?
1: Um. Yeah, I don't. I. You know, I'm, the way I'm looking at it right now, I would say I read about half fiction. I usually read a little more fiction than nonfiction. I guess if you throw in all the Shakespeare, maybe I read, um, you know, seventy uh, percent fiction. Okay. And and thirty percent nonfiction. But I've I've tended to read more nonfiction. Uh, of course, most of my reading aloud is fiction. A few mm-hmm. nonfiction books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What what was the
0: best nonfiction book that you read this year?
1: Well, I really, this is no surprise, but I really, really enjoyed um, Karen Swallow Prior's On Reading Mm. Well. Yeah. Um, I would say that was one. I I started to read that. I picked that up to read it, and I was going to whiz through it. And I liked the first chapter so much, I, I made myself stop and just read one chapter a day uh, mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't read it too quickly because I wanted to enjoy it. Plus, I also only wanted to read um, what I'd already read and a couple. Now, I never did, I have never read Tom Jones. That's one of the books that she discusses, but I had a deep underst- I'm not a deep understanding, but I had a. a a pretty clear understanding of the book and what it was about. So I didn't feel too guilty and I didn't feel like pulling it out and reading it, but, um, I did go back and buy, um, the story the 10th of December that she mentioned towards the end. Oh yeah,
0: George Saunders. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I enjoyed that story very much. I was glad I, since it was short, it was easy to read, but most of the other books I'd already read. So, um, um, that was a book about reading that is well worth um, using as a guide to reading Great books.
0: Yeah, that was. I interviewed Karen for a podcast, and that was definitely one of our more popular and one of my favorite interviews that I did this year. She's, oh, I'm sure. So fun to talk to about books. I mean, but I'm kind of, that's kind of like a low bar for me. Like we could, I could talk to someone who can barely speak about books for a long time and have a good yeah. time.
1: <laughs> I, I read two books. Another two nonfiction books that I read were by Esther DeWall. Oh, yeah. um, one, those were excellent. Both of those. I could just read her all day long. Um, she The one was Lost in Wonder, which was about the habit of attention. Of course, she doesn't call it the habit of attention. And the other was Seeking God, which is about, uh, um, like, um, just a secular, not a secular, but a, a layman's Benedictine. I don't even know how to say that word. Um,
0: yeah. Like the way of saving life it, yeah.
1: Lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, that. So I really enjoyed those two books and I have just bought another one of her books. I can't remember the title, but, um, I, and I re, and I had, um, borrowed seeking God and I, and I went out and went ahead and bought it.
0: Yeah. Um, my mom, I believe is a big fan of, of her books. Mm -hmm. Um, so I never read her. I'm gonna have to add her to, to my list. Yeah. Did you, um, is there a book that you reread this year that you were reminded why either why you love it or you came to love a little bit more or something like that?
1: A book that I reread this year that, um, Hmm. Well, I read, I ended up rereading a lot this year And I'm trying to think of what book I reread that um, reminded me of, um, uh, what would be that book? Oh, I reread for my book club, The Vicar of Wakefield, which is a delightfully fun book to read um, that is kind of a surprising uh, Dickensian type story but cheerful very cheerful uh
0: <laughs> dickens but cheerful
1: yes dickens but cheerful so not dickens <laughs> yeah yeah and i read um uh, i i'm reading my way through dorothy sayers by actually reading maybe one a bu- book a year and i i read strong poison this year which is mm. always a favorite so um
0: well i was going to ask you about um I know you like crime fiction, so I was wondering if you went back to any of the classic crime fiction or if you discovered anything or in that genre that you particularly liked.
1: I did. I discovered um, this guy named Peter Granger, and Grain is G-R-A-I-N-G-E-R. I read the first book. It was like a free book, or it was a super cheap book from Audible. And I absolutely adored... The book, and I don't know what the first one in the
0: the is series is An called. accidental death.
1: Yes, that would be an accidental death, and um, and then I would read that the year before. But this year, I read every single one of the novels of his that had come out already. Um, after that, and I lo- I loved every one of them. I thought they were so well written. Um, when the first one, when I was reading it, I think I I may and maybe I talked about this last year, but I kept looking back at the um.
0: To Final
1: see, <laughs> yeah to see when it was published because i kept thinking well maybe this is a republication from a book that was written like in the classic golden age of uh you know or you know at least in the 1970s but um no it was it was a new book and uh they were newly written and they're very good
0: hmm. so peter granger and that's the uh is that the, C. it dc
1: smith is yeah, the dc smith series yeah. Okay. yeah that's his detective
0: <laughs> um it's always great when you find like a new detective that you that you know you can trust most of the books and you can just kind of power through those. That that's great fun. And oh, it is. Especially it for is. building a reading habit.
1: <laughs> yeah. When I mean I always remember the first time I read Dorothy Sayers, I'd run to Barnes and Noble when I finished one. And we weren't that close to Barnes and Noble, but it was then finally I started buying like two or three at a time. And um, <laughs> it was such a wonderful time in my life,
0: book wise. Um okay, so if you had to choose a Mount Rushmore of novels that you read for the year, what would they be? In other words, you have to choose your four favorites.
1: Oh, okay, four. Well, the first one would be In This House of Breed by Rumor Godin, or Godin. Rumor Godin, I think it is. Um, she has a book, In This House of Breed, which totally, I've had it on my, uh, my shelf for years and I finally just picked it up and started reading it because it doesn't sound like it's going to be a very good book. It's about a lady, a prim um, b- career woman um, who leaves her career and, and becomes a nun, uh, goes and and joins an order in England. And it just does not sound compelling at all. It is an absolutely wonderfully beautiful book.
0: And who's the author again?
1: Uh, rumor R U M E R Godden, G O D D E N. Um, and, and, and it's called In This House of Breed, which is B-R-E-D-E. And, and I've heard more than one person say this, but it's just absolutely excellent. Excellent. Um, it, it was, it's very high on the top of my list of, um, books that I'm glad that I read in, uh, in my life hmm. and, um. 4 so 4 okay uh, yeah so there's one yeah there's one
0: and you, you then you said that one quickly so you knew what you were
1: yeah you, i knew yeah. that was pretty much the, t- the height of what I read this year. I read um, I also read some Anthony Horowitz this year. I read the word is murder as far as murder mysteries and I really enjoyed those. Um, so I think I will be reading more Anthony Horowitz. Um, you might, He is um, a screenplay writer the B- with the BBC and I think he did most of the Foils Wars and maybe mm-hmm. some Midsummer Murders. So he's right up my alley. It would be hard for him to miss um, with me because <laughs> um, because that's what I like, and um, I enjoyed that very much. And uh, as far as novels, what else? would? It, it, of course, Shakespeare. Yeah, that um,
0: We're not going to count yeah. Shakespeare in the...
1: No, 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 mm-hmm. no. Um, I'm looking through here. And of course, well, I read... I'm
0: curious to know if there's a um, Shakespeare play that... We'll have to come back to that. Was there a Shakespeare play that you were surprised at how much you liked this time through?
1: Um well I'll get back to that but yeah Elizabeth Fair that was another um somebody somehow that got recommended to me and and these are like little english uh escapist type of misread type books. But um, I read her Landscape in Sunlight this year and I really enjoyed that as far as just a novel that's fun to read and was my type of novel. Really, I didn't read a lot of novels that were... Um, and I love Alan Bradley. I'm a huge fan of his um, Flavia Luce mysteries. Um, so uh, I read uh, the, the latest one of those this year and he hasn't come out with any more. But Alan Bradley excellent excellent writer and very fun writer for people who like to read because he throws you know he throws all those little tidbits out to us and and helps us um say oh i read that i read that
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of a celebration of other books as well
1: yeah yeah
0: um okay let's let's talk um books for moms i suppose Mm -hmm. is there a book that you read this year that's kind of related to that to that Subject, which I recognize is a pretty broad subject.
1: Yeah. But
0: you, despite it, you know, you it however you like or in whatever way was meaningful to you this year. But was there anything that fits into that catalog? Well,
1: I did read Madeline um, um Crosswick journals this year, oh, yeah. Yeah. and they were very high up on my list of good books. Um, they were, um, I, of course, the, the Summer of the Great Grandmother is was a little close to home because it was the year her mother, um, was, was living. It was the summer that her mother was dying. And my, and I read it during my summer and my summer, my dad was also dying. And, um, so that was very much, um, something that, um, I felt like, uh, touched, a nerve, and all of her books, really. If you just want to read, talk, if you just want to have a conversation with another person who's gone through um, some of the things that you've gone through, then um, um, that—that's—that's—that was. I thought a well uh, worthy, a worthy. Um, book for that. I read um, uh, Karen Glass's Know and Tell, which of Mm. course, um, I think they said that it won the highest rated um, book on Goodreads that I read this year. So um, it has a 4.63 rating on Goodreads. Um, So that's what they said. They said um, that was um, the book. Um, And and we had our book club, which yeah, yeah, that is a wonderful honor to um, have such a, because I have quite a few really good books in my, um, that I read this year in our book club. I read the Aeneid this year for the very first time. I'd never read that before. And um, that took me by surprise. Um, number one, I...
0: <laughs> well, well, I was going to ask you about classics, so... <laughs>
1: oh, okay, okay. So you want go me to be it. quiet? No, go Okay, for it. go for it. Okay, so number one, It was much easier to read than I thought. Of course, I did not read it in what Latin. I I managed to only read it in English, so So I guess I shouldn't act like it was so easy because they were all English words. But um, it was easier to read than I expected. It was so much more of a riff off the Iliad and the Odyssey than I expected, and. And at at first, I was like, really, like, this is not nearly as good as the Iliad or the Odyssey. But then I realized that um, Virgil never finished it. And I know a lot of people highly regard Virgil, um, more so even than Homer in some ways. And even I think George MacDonald was a big fan of Virgil. So I love George MacDonald. So I hate to say this, but I just thought it was... I didn't. I I liked reading it okay, but I did not think it had the depth of the Iliad or the Odyssey. Mm. But that was just my opinion, (laughs) obviously.
0: (laughs) Hey, a lot around here, you'd probably have a lot of agreement on that from that perspective, but I don't want to, you know, speak for anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, so what was the Shakespeare play that, um,
1: yeah, uh, so I'm trying to think because I just had one of the plays that I reread, um, that I thought you know I really like this play um oh I really like Henry VIII um it's not mm. really uh, a lot of people don't it's not the f- high up there but it's so fascinating all the characters are characters you know from history uh, there's uh Thomas Kramer there's uh the Woolsey there's that whole period of time Anne Boleyn obviously and um and they say that Shakespeare at that time was trying to, you know, give uh, Elizabeth some legitimacy. So he made um, Anne Boleyn, you know, very, uh, very likable in the play. But um, has Thomas Cromwell, if you've been watching any of the Hillary Mantle series, um, he's and he the, uh, what is that? Uh, what is her series? The it, the BBC yeah. just put it out. But the books are really good. Wolf Hall? Yes, Wolf Hall. And if you get a chance to read Wolf Hall and, and the sequel, which I won't even, my brain will not, I know my brain will not know, <laughs> um, those are excellent. But all those characters show up in Henry VIII, obviously, because and, and it's just so fascinating to look at it from, you know, Shakespeare's point of view. Um, And say, oh, you know, he's trying to, he's weaving this web using all these same characters that we know from this story and that story in history. And he's using this play as a political move, which is kind of dangerous because... Um, so let's say he does a really good job of making Elizabeth appear legitimate through his play, but what if somebody takes over who isn't a fan of Elizabeth, and now it's off with your head, so, um, it was kind of a brave thing to do in a way, I don't know if if it was considered brave at the time, but, um, knowing history i would think man i'd be almost afraid to like throw my hat in the ring with anybody (laughs) but um anyway (laughs) elizabeth may have been dead already when he wrote this but anyway it was um it was quite quite a good story i always enjoy it
0: i've actually never read that one so i'll have to i'll have to do that Um, the
1: other thing he does different in henry the eighth is he has this little device where there's a narrator who tells you who's walking in the procession and who's coming in the room. It's very pomp and circumstance. And I'm not really sure what's going on there, why he did it that way, because it's something he doesn't do in any of his other plays, but um, hmm. definitely does it in this play.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, is there a genre that you read, like fiction or nonfiction, say, that you read more of this year, than you ever had before, that you are new to, or that you kind of dove into in a way that you never had before.
1: Oh, that's a good question. You know, I the thing that is disappointing to me is that I I often dig into books that people recommend that are um, new, modern books, and they end up being kind of disappointing. Um, and, and that's happened to me a lot with, um, um, I'm, I tend to, I will, I am one who will read self-help, self-help books, um, just because I find them interesting and I'm getting away from that more and more because it's, to me, they've, they're all just expanded blog posts and it's like, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, that's a great idea. Could you tell me that in a sentence? So, um, so, well no,
0: because someone t- told me that they would pay me to write this. Yes, in that's 189 right. pages. So. That's
1: right. Yeah. so yeah, I would say that um, as far as a new genre that I'm I'm looking over this, you know, there's some books, Um, I read Annie Dillard's An American Childhood, which was Mm. an absolutely wonderful book. One of the kind of fun things is right now, and I don't know how soon people are going to get this, but I'm reading, uh, and I'm not really reading, I'm listening in the car to a book that Netflix, Netflix, Audible gave away free, which is called The Christmas Hirelings. And it's, um, it's the, the voice is Richard Armitage. Mm-hmm. Who, so he has a very beautiful, first he has a beautiful voice, then he does voices very well. He he really brings the characters to life and you don't say, when he's saying, when a girl is talking, you're not cringing like, oh my goodness. It's, he doesn't try to make them girly girly, but you know, you, you get the gist of it without cringing um but this book it's as if charlotte mason almost wrote it um all the characters are doing things you know even at one point and it's it's an older book and i haven't looked it up yet but if you're if you're still around and it's christmas when you are listening to this you might want to get a hold of this book the christmas hirelings because if you're it just so, um, I'm almost positive the author was familiar with Charlotte Mason's writings and was kind of promoting that idea in some of, some of this story. Um, so, and then there's other books that have been like that too, where you're reading them and you're thinking like, a, and that's where American Childhood by Annie Dillard comes in. Um, Annie Dillard had a very Charlotte Mason education Growing up, but when you read the book, you you see it, um, and so many writers did. And two things happen in the lives of these writers. And I like to read um, books about writers, but the one is that, the, of course, most of the writers that you read about were, are readers. And the other surprising thing that I found that many many writers are when they're growing up is that they dr- they draw a lot. They drew or they draw. Um, they spend their time observing um in that way that drawing allows you to do and I've just seen that over and over again this year and I've been fascinated by that concept that um drawing is something that really prepares you to be observant and to um to give your attention to things and and Mm. it's really no surprise that people who are writers would would be observers
0: hmm yeah I think when you read... Well, I've read a lot of poetry this year and a lot of books on mm. poetry this year. And you think you, that's one of the things that you really begin to see is that the great poets are almost... What makes them great... I mean, they have a way with words, but what they're also doing is they're just seeing things.
1: Yeah, they act. They, yes, yes. They
0: have the eyes to see things that not everyone sees.
1: Yes, they do. The the, the, the observation and attention are, are two... Um, and, and the things that... In a way that that's what the internet is kind of stealing from us um, so mm. those are those are some serious ramifications for um you know what what am I doing with my time? what am I not doing? you know maybe maybe I'm not staring at the stars mm. um, you know yeah. it doesn't have to be maybe I'm not cleaning my bathroom, so mm. what <laughs> yeah. but are you staring at the stars,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you? Th- I bet in like 1722, people were like, "Did you sweep our dirt floor, or were you staring at the stars?" It was people were complaining about people looking at the stars then too, instead of doing things. So that's right. That's right. There's always that's something right. to distract us from the stars.
1: Oh, true, true. Yes, we are our distractible people, and I, <laughs> I think it's the people. It is. It is the people that are able to to wheel in their attention and focus it that that really um, are the ones who are able to turn around and. Give back to us through art, through poetry, through writing, um, and, and, and clarify things for us. Like like Esther Dewall, you know, she she has to be someone who's paying attention. She can make truths clear in a very simple way. Mm.
0: Okay. Here's my final, I guess, as a pair of questions. Um, There's a little bit of time till Christmas still when this airs. And Amazon, we have all discovered, if you have Amazon Prime, discovers things pretty quickly. So let's say people are looking for um, Christmas gifts books-wise. And there's two categories of of Christmas Mm. gift that I'm curious about here. What is a book that you would recommend, um, particularly the women who are listening, give to their husbands for Christmas? And then... um, what is a book that you would recommend that um, the moms who are listening possibly give to their children? And I realize that that sort of somewhat depends on the age and, and all that sort of thing, but maybe you could mention a couple in that category. But so let's do the first that first question first. Is there anything you recommend that you think uh, might be... That women give to
1: their husbands as now, far
0: as... Husband, I know that that's like, again, there's a lot okay. of different kinds of breeders out there, but...
1: um uh boy, my brain is going blank, so um well do you think are you talking do you think by by that do you mean fiction or nonfiction? like something to help them be a better man or something to, that they would enjoy reading?
0: How about either way
1: <laughs> um well i love i mean I've said this before, so I don't mean to be and i my brain has actually gone blank, but the author Conan Doyle books are great manly reads for um, and, and and besides Sherlock Holmes, which is excellent. I mean, who you can't go wrong with Sherlock Holmes, but The White Company is an excellent um, book for men. Mm. Um, on being a man and, and it's a it's a novel and it's it's a novel you could potentially read aloud in your family, but it, it, it's it's a it, it has a way of placing manhood in context that is very well done. Um mm. and so I always like I always think that's a great way for a man who has not been taught what it means to be chivalrous, for instance, to see a picture of what it what would a chivalrous man actually look like. Mm. Um, so that's an excellent book for that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going back and forth in my mind between, um, recommending, um, the Jordan Peterson book, which, um, everything in me wanted to hate. (laughs) Um, but I actually ended up liking it. I like, um, he has 12 rules for life and I think he, I, I think it's nice to hear someone who doesn't claim to be a Christian um, look out for come from outside of Christianity and say, This is why this works. Now, those of us who ha- walk by faith, we don't need someone to tell us that our faith works. But to have someone look at the outside of Christianity and say, Oh, you know, the Bible is the manual for Western civilization, just like your dad says, you know that the Iliad and the Odyssey were the manuals for Greek civilization. How do you live like a Greek person? How do you treat a stranger? How How do you travel about? What, what are your goals? What does it mean to have a home? Um, Jordan Peterson does that um, um, with, the, with the Western tradition um, from outside of the traditional view of it. Now, I'm, I'm not, I don't know whether he's a Christian or not. He says he is not. But um, I do like... Um, his book, as far as reminding people who have f- forgotten, you know, I talk about remembrance a lot. Um, he's remembering in that book, he's remembering what it means um, to to be a culture.
0: Hmm. Hmm. One or two books for kids? Good Christmas gifts for kids? Um,
1: yeah, boy.
0: I mean, I maybe you weren't reading a lot of children's literature well or... i
1: did as far as what i read this year i mean i read i'm reading the i've read <laughs> i'm reading to two different sets of kids the lion the witch and the Ward. you know the chronicles of narnia sure. so um i'm reading them all twice um so um I, you, and you you just can't beat them <laughs> they're just so wonderful um of course i highly recommend those i recommend um oh what is uh, for for buying for gifts um Boy, you know, nothing, I feel like anything I say is just going to be so like trite and normal. Um, I love, like I said, the Sugar Creek Gang for boys of a certain age, six, six six-year-old, seven, eight, the perfect age for the Sugar Creek Gang. Um, I love, um, there's just so many great books. I just, um, I feel like if my brain was working, I could tell you some, but it apparently is not working right
0: now. Um, Sugar Creek Gang is a good one. That that actually helps me now that I think about it, because it turns out I have a six year old and a oh, seven year old.
1: Well, I've said this before, but if you get on, there's a there's a company called Southern Skies. I think um, they have um, the Stephen Meter books that. Um. um yeah, southernskies.com. They sell books by an author named Stephen Meter. These are excellent, excellent books for boys, uh, uh, girls too. They have so many good books. My kids love the, um, the, um, the uh, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that they, they all of them. My son, Timothy, read all of these books, and I'm sending them now to my grandchildren. Um, Shadow and the Pines, that's an excellent excellent story um, but all of them um, all of them are blueberry the blue snow on blueberry mountain all of these are re- the black buccaneer um, if you go to the southern uh, skies.com you'll they only sell that's all they do is sell, sell these old stephen meter books unfortunately they should be at library sales but you rarely very rarely find one at a library sale um, so I'm not sure what happened to all these old Stephen Meter books, but they are really wonderful stories and, um, I highly recommend them.
0: Well, we just listed off a whole bunch of book titles. I think we, that, that's probably as good a place as I need to stop. So, um, thank you for, for a lot of great recommendations. I think people will be able to find plenty to read over there their, for, for adding to their new year's. Uh, list for the for 2019. So, is there anything you're really looking forward to diving into next year?
1: Oh no! Well, um, you know what? For some reason, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I am so tired. Um, I have taken on a project with my grandkids this this last week, where um, I must be the sugar. I think it's the sugar. I have. I'm sending them a package every single day. There's five kids in the family, and I'm having to make a cook a different cookie each day so that they have a different cookie each day. And then I'm not having to make all the cookies all the time. But instead, I'm just like a steady Constantly stream baking. of sugar. <laughs> like every day I rush home from work and I make a new batch of cookies to, to mail to them. Um, so I think this is absolute proof that sugar is not good for your brain. <laughs>
0: um, well, then I guess we got to let you get back to baking, right?
1: Yes. Sugar <laughs> so, cookies today.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, well, Happy baking and uh, uh, Merry Christmas to you. And again, thank you so much for, for doing the show and to everyone who's listening. If you have books that you want to tell everyone about or that you recommend for gifts, please do that over on the uh, the Facebook page, on the Mere Brotherhood group. Um, there's lots of great conversation going on there. So if you are not a part of that, feel free to, to go join that. And, We'll get you approved. You can click that little join button. We'll get you approved right away. Um, all right. Well, that's it. Thanks to everyone who's been listening this year. Thanks for a great 2018 here in the Mason Jar.
1: Yeah. We'll Merry Christmas. <laughs>
0: yeah. We'll be back in 2019 with a whole new slate of episodes, new questions to answer, new guests, new books to talk about. Um, and of course, plenty of uh, conversation on Charlotte Mason and classical education as always. Happy New Year. Uh, and Merry Christmas to all of us you know, here at the Searcy Institute and the Mason Jar. We look forward to talking to you in the new year.